Hi, welcome to the Dreamcatchers. We are sisters and business partners, Marissa Klein K and Jamie Klein Stozer. We know a little something about dreaming big. In our day jobs, we run the fashion and media division of our family staffing firm in New York City, Choice Associates. We have built a brand around helping others and good energy. Known in our personal and professional worlds as lightworkers, igniters, and most of all believers, Jamie and I are not only dreamers, but we are doers, and we hope our energy is contagious. On this podcast, we will be chatting to each other and to some of our favorite dream catchers, the people who inspire us not only about career, but about making magic wherever they go. On What's Your Story, we will focus on real people with killer jobs and talk about how they got where they are today. Thanks for joining us. Subscribe now and follow us on social media at Dreamcatchers23 for updates and episodes. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Dreamcatchers 2022. I'm so excited to be here with my sister, Marissa. Oh, I really like what Marissa wrote as Dream Founder, so I copied that. So thanks for that, Marissa. Sure. Uh, we are the Dreamcatchers. Uh, for those of you who are new to us, we are career and brand experts um, that love to, who, grammatically correct, love to speak to others who do really cool things. And we are thrilled to have our friend and guest here today. We're going to have her uh, introduce herself in a second. So for our first episode back, we thought it would be fun to have a conversation with someone who is an expert in taking care of yourself. Because as mothers, all we do, I can speak on behalf of Marissa and I and all of our mother friends, is think about taking care of others. And so we thought it might be fun to kind of turn the mirror around and say to someone like Dr. Lauren, um, who I'm going to just affectionately call Dr. Lauren while we're chatting, (laughs) um, to say to her in an expert in a women's field, as a woman, as a mother, you know, how we can look to somebody like her in her field or any field for inspiration, for education. Um, And we're just so happy to have you here today, Lauren. Marissa, did you have anything you wanted to add before we have Lauren yourself? Um. I think we have interviewed, I don't know, close to 60 different guests and guests could be more than 60 because we've done close to 60 episodes. And I don't know, we've had, we've had a doctor, but more of a scientist on the podcast. I don't know if we've ever had an actual doctor on the podcast, although, um, there are many people in the world that follow the dream catchers under the age of 10 that want to be a doctor when they grow up. Um, I think it's interesting um, when what we do for career is so whimsical, right? And I, I think will be very fun to collaborate or have a conversation that would normally be whimsical with somebody that probably would not define themselves as whimsical but doesn't mean that their job was not one of their dream jobs and, or that they're not helping others in the greater good, the same way we talk about all the time. So I just wanted to say thank you for spending time with us this way. Um, I'm sure it's not your norm. And I'm excited to be able to share that piece of you to our audience. So. Thank you. Thank you. So Lauren, nice if you want to go you. ahead and introduce yourself to our audience, tell us who you are, what you sure. do, just a little yeah. bit about yourself. 
Well, it's a pleasure. I'm so happy to be here as your friend, but also as um, a physician, surgeon, and an advocate for women's pelvic health and women's health in general. Um, I So I am Lauren Tennyson. I am a, uro- a urologist and a urogynecologist. Um, and I hope that I'm excited to kind of speak with you guys and share my story today. And I hope that it inspires really kind of in two ways, just personally, what, what I've, my journey, I guess, and what I've been through the past few years, and then also professionally in terms of what I do on a daily basis, um, in terms of kind of advocating for women and letting them know, I, I sound like a broken record during the day, talking to patients saying, you don't have to live like this. This is not normal. You don't have to suffer in silence. So, um, I'm excited. I'm excited to kind of get the word out. I love it. Um, Well, we are thrilled to have you and we're going to unpack a lot of your story, some of which I do know, some of which I don't. Um, I just have to say um, a shout out to the Pollards who introduced me to Lauren, my best friend from Hoboken, my best mommy friend. So very appropriate being that today's conversation is about being a mom. In fact, our sponsor today is the Mammoth Moms, which we'll talk about in a little while. Um, So my best friend from mommyhood, my first mom friend, Shari Letterman, Pollard, Maiden, Um, introduced me to Lauren when she was thinking about moving down to Monmouth County. And um, through lots of different avenues and ways, we were able to find her a house here through my mom and my friends, Beth and Russ Putterman at Focus Real Estate and my mom, Nancy. And then we got her, you know, into the gone, which is where our kids all go. (laughs) Um, We had this love affair from the day we met. And I just was so. um, Don't forget Michigan. Yes. Well, duh. And by the way, (laughs) I don't necessarily um, say this in the first sentence, but Marissa always says that I say it at some point during the conversation. Um, Lauren also went to Michigan, go blue, by the way, so did Ming. One of the things that Ming and I have in common, and we say go blue almost every episode in some capacity. Um, And by the way, on the, on the, uh, the, the, the tales of me uh, speaking to the Michigan Alumni Association earlier this week about resumes and dream jobs, what a fun week for me to have now a Michigan grad, another Wolverine here chatting with us today. So um, our first question is always, you know, the, the same. And it's because A, we're creatures of habit, but B, we really find that the answer to the first question that we ask on our podcast really dictates uh, a lot of how your journey goes, whether it's, you know, what you're doing now or what you're not doing now, which I find is so interesting. So we always ask the first thing, what did you want to be when you grew up? And it, and by the way, I should say, obviously that answer changes like a thousand times for every little girl right. across the world. But what do you remember as your first memory of what you wanted to do when you grew up? Yeah. Um, so it is entirely random, but really the truth, I wanted to travel the world and be a botanist. I bet you weren't expecting that. I was not expecting that. Did you say a botanist? Yes. yes. I wanted to be a botanist. <laughs> okay. Whoa. Marissa loves to do this part. Like correlating. <laughs> can you correlate being wanting wanting to be a botanist to being a, a, a pelvic yeah, surgeon? Connect, connect those dots. Connect those dots. Marissa I'm loves gonna, to do this part. She's not going to be able to do it. Plants. I'm going to have to bring Flowers. in a little. I'm going to have to bring in a lot of Georgia O'Keefe here. O'Keefe. Yes. Um. Bola, Bola, if you're out there, you've been beaten. Yes, Bola, one of our former guests who's been on our podcast a couple of times has some has a great answer to this question. And actually, she, want, we've she wanted to be really- she wanted to be a linguist, a linguist like study language. Which, by the way, I remember 
Um, anyway, okay. So you okay. wanted to travel the world and be a botanist. botanist. Yeah, there's, there's really, I mean, that is the first memory I have a recollection of like wanting what I, of what I wanted to do as a profession. Um, I mean, I went through different phases at one point. I wanted to be Katie Couric at one point. I wanted to be a colorectal surgeon. So the doctoring was in there, um, at some point, but yes, my, my first, my first recollection of what I wanted to be was a traveling botanist and exotic places all over the world. And why did you want to do that? Like, where did that come from? I don't, I think I liked the idea of kind of like going, going into like exotic kind of isolated places and (laughs) having time for self-discovery. I I don't know. I don't know. Like, like an eat, pray, love, but like with like hydrangeas. (laughs) (laughs) Now, and and now that you've settled in New Jersey, how do you feel about the, um, the foliage or or florals (laughs) that are available to you here? It's, It's gorgeous. Gorgeous we here. We have nice. We have nice things we here. Have some I mean, really I beautiful say, places to hike. I wouldn't yeah. say we have tropical botany, right. um, but <laughs> by the way, I love flowers. I don't know if I know much to add to the conversation. I'm curious. Did you ever? Did you get a? Did you work in it? Did you work in like a? No, garden? no, nope, none of the above. And you know, it's not like I continue to have some like special interest outside of of medicine to this day. It, it's but I had to answer the question truthfully. Wow. 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 I love that. But you know, the Georgia O'Keefe thing is actually fairly hilarious. No, yeah. I'm going I'm to leave it there. Uh, instead, she, instead she I focuses on a different kind that. of flower. I don't need okay. to describe that to people. I think everyone could deduce where I got Georgia O'Keefe. Yeah, correct. Okay. A different kind of flower, if you will. Okay. So mm-hmm. that said, after obviously you grew out of that phase or it yeah. passed, how yeah. did you go from, tell us a little bit about your journey to being a doctor. Yeah. Cause I think most, as Marissa mentioned, most often we, we, we talk to people who are in corporate America somewhere. Right. right. And they like got traditional internships and really, you know, had this kind of cookie cutter path. I would love to hear That's from right. you. Like what made you decide, how did you get there? Obviously, right. you know, and, and, and most likely had an aptitude for science, science so, or math growing up. So, um, I, you know, I was always a kind of curious kid anatomically. Like I was just always curious about anatomy, anatomy of animals, anatomy of people. Um, And that, you know, for science projects where you could do anything, you could build a volcano, you could, you could, you know, I... I ordered an ostrich eye from like the science book to dissect it for my eighth grade science class. So I just had this kind of like inherent curiosity about anatomy and that kind of carried through with me um, to um, college, go blue, where I um, decided to become a, a pre-med, a pre-medical student. But interestingly, I, you know, the sciences, it was kind of, I'm a very goal oriented person. And I identified in order to become a doctor, you have to do pre pre-med and it's a bunch of sciences, but I was an English, an English literature major. I naturally just enjoyed reading um, and writing. And so it, I kind of double majored um, and getting through the pre-med classes was more of a means to an end of, of being a doctor. I mean, I enjoy science. Don't get me wrong. Um, but, but I, I, I also enjoy English and, and other things as well, like the liberal, the liberal arts. And so, um, and so I, you know, did pre-med to get into medical school and then, um, so for, and from the minute I, 
kind of recognized, okay, I want to get into med school. It was head to the grind, just studying. Um, I, you, you know, you make sacrifices. So when all my friends went abroad junior year of college, I did not because I was studying for the MCAT. And so it was just kind of like, here's my, here's my goal. This is what I want to achieve. How can I do it in the, in the quickest and, and most effective way possible? And, um, and so, you know, I got into medical school and I graduated at the top of my class and just really was super focused on doing the absolute best that I could um, because I identified and we'll, we'll get into a little bit about that, probably how I chose to become a urologist and choose urology, but it's a competitive field. And so I had to um, just really be always be at the top of my game academically and um, and 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 so after my my residency in urology, I pivoted to um, focus on female pelvic health, which is um, an area of urology, but kind of less well known. Um, and and so and here we are. Man, um, by the way, not being able to go abroad is I, I, I think it's interesting that you chose to mention that, but it is something that, you know, we never discussed. And Marissa and I are very, you know. I guess, sensitive to that sentence, right? Because that concept, especially at Michigan, was hard to swallow, I'm sure. That was actually yeah. one of the reasons I chose not to be an elementary education minor uh, major because I was not able to go abroad or I didn't want to go into the business school because I wasn't able to go abroad. Like this was like actual decisions that you're making at 19, 20 years old that are I mean, hard decisions. Like all oh, your right. friends are going and and that's commendable to like know at that young age to be like, nope, like this is what I have to do in order to do what I want to do and to follow my dream. And I'm going to do it. And you have right. to sacrifice a lot of things, not just obviously traveling abroad, but right. a ton of other did things. Gonna, did you stay at Michigan for medical school? No, I went to Albany Medical College. Okay. So, so one of the things I think is interesting that I was listening is your interest in, in English. Yes. And your commitment to that, um, probably and this is where I would say as a, as not knowing you as a doctor, but just knowing doctors or, you know, science, uh, personalities in general probably gives you an excellent bedside matter. Mm. Um, because it does chime into some of the whimsy that you may or may not know that you have is you're using your creative piece of your brain yes. to engage in you know, reading or, or you relax that way. And that would probably come out in your patient care. Um, and I'm assuming that although you were extremely focused on your studies, um, if you were to go elbow to elbow against some of your classmates and they did not have that English degree, perhaps they did not have the um, sensitivity that you possessed when mm. dealing with uh, a, a, a client. Um, or a, a patient, I should say. So I think that's kind of interesting. Um, and then also, obviously, sacrifice and just the pursuit of medicine is such an interesting one, right? So it is a call to action, a call to action to wanting to use your skills in a way that you can help others. That's, that's right. seriously what it is. Um, I'm sure there's some people that are doctors because they just want to be a doctor, but I can't imagine that sustains when you have to go through all that academia. Right. And last but not least, for the layman in the back, you know, you have to go to medical school and then kind of like major specialize, right? Specialized. I only get this from like um, 
Grey's Anatomy, which I retired watching. (laughs) Um, But like you have to decide somewhere along the line what your focuses are going to be like. And don't you take like different, don't you shadow different areas? Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's, it's interesting. It's interesting because you, you have to make a decision in medical school in terms of what career, what field you want to go into with very little insight and knowledge into the field. I mean, I rotated on the urology service as a medical student for a week. One week was my exposure to the field. Um, and, and so yeah, there, there's a lot of kind of unknowns there. And it's, it, it, I, as I reflect back on that to this day, and I, I've since, you know, counseled and helped other medical students making those decisions. And it's still, it's just so fascinating to me that with so little knowledge and at such a young age, I mean, 21, 22 years old, you know, you're choosing your, your forever career. Yeah. And, and how did, how after one week, yeah, like, how did you lean in where you're like, oh, that seems cool. So I'm just going to yeah. go with that. And by the way, I should mention, you know, before we came on live, Lauren was saying that she was challenged with our next question, which is right now, um, what was your aha moment? Right. So here right. you are, a little girl that wants to study plants in Australia. And then you were like, nah, I'll go to Michigan instead and do Orgo, you know, like somewhere along the right, line. Right, right. Um, you're like, and then all of a sudden, oh, and I can't go abroad and I can't go abroad. So, and I can't even go abroad to look at the plants because of Michigan. Um, so PS to this, here you are in Albany Medical School back. You're I'm from upstate New York. So you're back kind of homish and you're yep. thinking about what you want to do. And you're a young, you know, medical student doing rotations. Marissa, that was the word you were looking for Thank you. Um, on different areas. What was your aha moment then as far as urology goes? Like, you're like, all right this is me. This is for me. This is why I want to do yeah. this field because I think I actually can make sure. a difference and help people. Right. And I mean, I think there, there can be a little bit of like a nomogram, if you will, or algorithm to making the decision and they don't formally teach this, or at least they didn't when I was in medical school, but it's like the big kind of picture things. Do you want to do surgery or do you want to do medicine? And you get enough exposure to kind of hopefully be able to decide which is for you. And so I had decided that I wanted to do surgery. Um, And then within surgery, you know, do you want to do a type of surgery where you really don't have relationships with patients? Or do you want to do a field where you have long-term relationships? And I knew I wanted to have long-term relationships with my patients. I also knew that I wanted, you know, some fields are classically known for a better quality of life than others. I I, I was like, okay, I'm probably going to want to be a mom at some point. So let's think quality of life as well. And then within, and, and so, and then, so urology came along and I had kind of decided those more fundamental things. And within urology, I recognized that it checked off those boxes. And then there's also a very wide, wide variety of things you can do within the field of urology. And I think I had like the insight to kind of recognize, I might not know exactly like what I want yet, but within urology, there's so much variability that I can find something. So because within urology, people might not realize, but you can be an oncologist. You can be just a kidney stone doctor. You can be a male infertility doctor. You can be a female urology doctor. I mean, there's like a lot of different sub specialties off of urology. So um, that was, that was comforting to me to know that I had to make this decision, but I could find a place within it that I'd be happy. And frankly, when I, 
when I was a med, when you're a med student, you're very vulnerable. You feel awkward because you're kind of just like there, but you're not necessary. And people get annoyed with you because, you know, they just want to, they're busy and they just want to do their thing. Um, and the urologists at Albany Med at the time I was there, they were really nice. They were really welcoming and they wanted to teach and they had a sense of humor. And I just, I, I liked them as people. And that helped because you're, I was so impressionable. And I think a lot of what you're touching on is really like could be discussed in any industry, right? So here's somebody who we, you know, I bring this back to our audience and that doesn't matter your career or your path, but like so much of what you just said, Lauren, was so important to any listener, right? It's like finding, finding something that speaks to you, finding something that allows you flexibility, finding something that you like the people above you. I just gave this advice this week to the Michigan grads. It was like, look up right? Look up around you. Are the people that are like your senior people in that field, in that profession, in your life, do you want to be them? Like, are you interested in what they're doing? And for you to have these mentors at such a young age where you're like, I like them. Like they're good people. Like they do good work. They're, they're nice. They're comforting. Like that's all important in every single industry. And then also to be able to decide at such a young age, like you said, but also to research, which obviously comes as a fundamental skill to you uh, from going to Michigan and being a med student to like really research and figure out which space you wanted to be in, right? Because it's like, how do you actually decide? Like there's a million different specialties within urology, even in and of itself. Um, I love that. Okay, so then from there, before we wrap the the Facebook live feed, I want to just make sure we get in for the audience. Um you know, once you chose urology and you've made this decision to focus on in the, you know, the female area of urology, you know, how did you get, if you will, here, right? So here you are, now you're in New Jersey. You've spent a bunch of years doing all sorts of things all over the place. You've had um, a crazy ride. So if you could just tell us a brief overview of that ride um, and how you landed to where you are today on your feet in New Jersey, around the corner from where we are right now. Would love yeah. to hear that because you were in Michigan and you were in upstate New York. Right. Right. Now you're right. here in New Jersey Absolutely. with us, which I find yes. fascinating about yes. how, by the way, relationships matter. And also, um, you know, being good at what you do and being recognized for being good at what you do brought you to our medical center here in New Jersey, which was sure. not where you're from and right. not where you thought you'd be. Right. So a couple of things on that point. And just to go back, um, to the decision to go into urology. Cause I, I, I don't think like I was thinking about this, but I want, I think I wanted to, to trailblaze and I, urology is the biggest boys club that there is in medicine. I mean, more so than orthopedic surgery, maybe even more than neurosurgery. Like they're t- 10% of the field is women and that's getting better. And like in the current trainees, it's certainly more than 10%. But I like, I'm a no drama type person. And I think I liked the idea of, of entering into a, a, a male's, a man's world and being able to make my mark in it. And I, I did not know at the time that I would pivot to female um, pelvic health. And, and we can talk about like why I kind of made that decision through training. But um, so, so that, that was that. And in terms of um, how I ended up in New Jersey, because I did a fellowship in Detroit, Michigan, and, you know, I, I had not looked up and and just smelled the roses in over a decade because of how intense 
this schooling and training and lifestyle was. And um, I had lost sight of really like who I was and what I wanted because I was just on this trajectory. And fast forward to completing residency, which was six years, completing a two-year fellowship, um, another, so eight years. And here we are about to finish fellowship. And I am pregnant with my second kid and I feel a lump in my breast. And I immediately just knew that it was bad. And it was, it was breast cancer and an aggressive breast cancer. And all of a sudden, after just over a decade of not, of, of not looking up, I was forced to pause and step back and not only take care of myself in terms of fighting cancer, but take care of myself in terms of just like, what, what do I need to be, be better be better to myself and care for myself and what's important in life and just pause to examine priorities um, and what really matters. And so that kind of catapulted us um, back to a certain reality of, of what's important, like family, because we were going to move to California. We had signed job contracts in Santa Cruz, California. And after we went through cancer, we recognized the importance of family and um, how much it matters to be close to family. Because when you do go through hardship, you know, there, of course, you have good friends as well, but it's really family that is just shutting their own lives down to be there for you. And um, so we, we reevaluated those kinds of things and New Jersey, um, this area specifically fit the bill for us because it's by the water and my husband's a surfer and a waterman. And um, my dad went to Monmouth University and spent a decent amount of time in Monmouth County growing up. And so there were a bunch of things that kind of brought us back here. I love your story. Um, okay, so on that note, we're obviously gonna unpack way more of that. So if you wanna hear more from Lauren, please check us out on all platforms. Um, but in the meantime, just a quick plug for our sponsors today, the Monmouth Moms, who I felt was appropriate to have as our sponsor. Again, she's been, uh, Kate from Monmouth Moms has been a sponsor of, of our podcast before, um, but just thought it would be awesome to talk about them a little bit while Lauren was with us because she is another Monmouth Mom as we are as well. So we are gonna be doing what we call an on-air uh, read of our ad for Monmouth Moms. And I say that because I'm live on Facebook. So I'm gonna be looking down, reading something, but I'm supposed to be. So I just want to say that to our Facebook audience. So, um, but our our podcast audience, um, you know, won't know that part. So now they now they will. So the Monmouth Moms is part of the Local Moms Network, which is a resource website for busy parents in Monmouth County. I think we can all relate to that. Providing instant access to local events, activities, resources, and more. Um, we love our community and are passionate about helping moms find the best Monmouth County schools, pediatricians, local boutiques, and everything in between. So when you move to a new spot like Lauren did, um, like Marissa and I did, uh, as Mammoth Moms has continued to grow, Kate and her team have really created this hub of information, which I think is just incredible. As a busy mom myself, I use it often. Um, their mission is to give moms the gift of time by sifting through the information that we just don't have time to sift through. Whether it's, you know, introduction to other talented moms, a connection to our you know, Monmouth County community, et cetera, et cetera. So follow along with them as they highlight and feature some of the best of Monmouth County. They're on the themonmouthmoms.com and you'll also find them obviously on social media. And just a quick recap of the things they cover, summer activities and camps, 
fitness and wellness resources, local restaurants, boutiques, home improvement, local events and farmers markets, family health care, Lauren, uh, <laughs> local job board, teen scene, beauties and spas, children's birthday party ideas, which by the way, is why I've been on there because I always try to come up with something creative. Marissa and I are like cursed with trying to have the best, the different, the most different, the most unique birthday parties um, and more. So make sure to sign up for their newsletter on their website to gain access to information about the Mammoth Moms, upcoming spring event announcement, sounds fun, local activities, updated guides and more. And by the way, to Kate and her team, they just recently did a huge undertaking over at Bellworks, our second home, which actually is where Ming is right now. Um, like a big fair, if you will, of just this type of stuff in person. And we know Merce and I have planned things like this before. We know how big of an undertaking that was. So it sounds like they're going to be doing something like that again in the spring where you can come out and meet different vendors and, and people from Monmouth County. So thank you to Kate and her team for supporting the Dreamcatchers. And thank you to, for being a Dreamcatcher. She's been on the podcast before. And uh, for the rest of our conversation with Lauren, head to um, anywhere you listen to your podcasts. And thank you to Ming at the Sh uh, Shared Universe for doing our sound and all of this stuff for us today. So anyway, Lauren, now we're not going to be live on Facebook anymore. So, I mean, it's still be, be recorded, but we're not, you know, if you want to fluff your hair a little bit, no one's looking. <laughs> um, okay. So that beautiful, gorgeous hair that you have. That's um, right. That's right. So, because <laughs> that is, I know, part of our, our conversation that we were just starting to wrap. So That's tell right. us now, um, you know, a little bit about, so usually we go from aha moment into uh, you know, what you do now, right? So here you are in New Jersey, you moved to New Jersey, as you obviously just shared with us why. Tell yeah. us a little bit about what you're doing now and where you're at and, and yeah. what you practice and, and what you're doing. So I, so I am in a urogynecology practice um, in Shrewsbury and I'm, I'm currently building my practice. I have a partner um, and we are mostly locally at, at Hackensack Hospital and also Monmouth Medical Center, um, Riverview Medical Center and Monmouth Medical Center. And um, so I, I take care of women, mostly my bread and butter, women that I see every day are women who leak urine and can't hold their pee in and women who have something called pelvic organ prolapse, which means basically one, one or more of their pelvic organs has dropped down and herniated essentially into their vagina. And they walk around with a big bulge in, in their vagina and it's uncomfortable. And the, my job has turned into like almost this self-fulfilling, like self-motivating prophecy every day I go to work because I, I, I just see women that have lived with these horribly bothersome, embarrassing problems that take away self-dignity and think that that they, they've had it for years and they finally come at, at a certain point, they're prompted to seek help. But this is after living with it for 10, 12 years. It's crazy. And so this kind of like grin and bear it attitude that society has placed like onto women is is just like so motivating for me to continue to advocate for like women's health. Um, it's, it's unbelievable, unbelievable. Wow. And why do you think, I know some of, listen, we talk about this all the time too. And our job is like, we're not therapists, but we end up having these really therapeutic uh, conversations with people about what they do and why they do it. I would imagine that some of these conversations become emotional for your, for your patient to be like, wow, I didn't realize that this was something I didn't have to suffer from. 
what makes them finally come to see you? Like what, like, so where do you insert yourself and how do you find besides of course doing like the podcast today, where hopefully people will listen to this and be like, Oh my God, me too. Right. Like, how are you finding like, so unless somebody like, so for me, pause that for a moment. I joked with Lauren when we first met. And even when we marketed today's episode, we were joking and and putting it up there because that's really one of the things we're going to talk about today, which we didn't talk about on our Facebook live audience, but quite frankly, is probably more appropriate for the podcast world anyway, is to jump up and down and not pee my pants. Because by the way, I cannot do that. Like I do not go to Perspirology, which is a very well-known place around here that people go for fitness where they have a trampoline class. It's set to music and everyone knows I'm a dancer and that I would love it. I'm like, I literally can't go to that class. Like I would pee on the trampoline, like actually. Um, I've had two babies. I've done all the things. I did the Kegel exercises. Um, And I think that's most people's story. Marissa and I once took the kids. Marissa, do you remember? Of course. Marissa and I once took the kids to that trampoline park kind of place, like Sky Zone. Yeah. And she looks, she looks at me, we're jumping, we're hanging with the kids. They're little. And like, it's worse, Marissa and Jamie, like we're sisters and best friends. We sell each other everything. And it wasn't like I was embarrassed to tell her. I just was like jumping up and down. And she looks at me, we look at each other. Same time she was, I'm drenched. Like I'm not, like Like, she's like, I'm soaked. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm soaked too. Like we, and like, we were like, why am I soaked? Like, it's just coming out. It's coming out. It's coming out. And I'm fascinated by it. And I realize how many women are le- probably like us. We don't necessarily talk about it all the time. Um, but I'd love to hear from you, like why people end up coming to you, what it is that you offer. Um, because I think for Marissa and me, I'm really interested. And I'm sure many people are that they just thought that was normal. Like when they, after they had a baby. Well, something right. I want to say here culturally, just for a second, the grin and Barrett thing you said. Yeah. That resonated for me. Yeah, because I think all of us as a culture and society, we've all come kind of in leaps and bounds with talking about things we never talked about before or awareness of things that we never had awareness before. And then, you know, all of a sudden you get to a a moment and you're like, actually, we don't actually talk about that. Like we don't talk about Bruno. Right. Don't talk about Bruno. So talk about Bruno. My point is, is there's certain things that just not in maybe not intentionally never came out from underneath the rug. But, you know, I'm sitting here now and I'm thinking I'm actually doing a a deep thought. I've gone to many specialists. I'm very, very medically in tune with my body. I always have been. Mm -hmm. And I condone um, asking for help and whether it's mental or physical. Absolutely. Um, And I it took me probably, you know, not as long as the generation before us but a little sooner than some of my other peers to do that, you know, maybe because I'm more sensitive or maybe because I'm more in tune or maybe because I had issues growing up that were, you know, things that you don't talk about. And I had it, I had to talk about them in order to feel better. I don't know, but I will say I love my primary care. She's amazing. And she's so thorough. And I'm now thinking about when I go to the physicals, you, I mean, there must be a thousand questions on there. Like, do I have metal in my body? Do I have this? Do I have that? Do I have a blood disorder? Do I like a million things where you're like, no, thank God. No, thank God. No, thank God. And I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, I don't think anyone asked me about how I pee. I don't think anyone's yeah. ever asked me about that ever. Yeah. And I now am realizing 
that that intuitively there's a lot like we definitely talk gastro stuff more than we ever talked about it before. Let's be fair. There's a lot of gastro chat. I don't think there's any urology chat. Yeah. And where does that come from? It's t- has it any, from- yeah. Has anyone, has your doctor ever asked you how your sex life is and like, if that's okay? Nope. No. Cause there's a billion dollar industry surrounding men's sex lives. You know, it's just women have sexual dysfunction too. It's so, it's just, I mean, the By more the way, that you- and I always feel like that that's all related. I remember years ago, here's a TMI years ago, I was 22 years old and I had an issue an issue that was very uncomfortable came from stress and water. It was, it's called a fissures. I'll skip the other word. Anyway, it was horrible. And mm-hmm. I believed intuitively, I can't stand science, no disrespect, not, not medical at all. Subscribe to other people to give me those directions. But I believed that it was affecting my sexual comfort Mm-hmm. And I went to my OB. She said, impossible. I went to my doctor. They said, impossible. I went to the doctor that specializes in that. I don't even hear about them anymore. A proctologist. He said, of course it's possible. Mm-hmm. And he was so kind to me. And that's when my life changed. Mm-hmm. So I remember knowing that if, I mean, there are three holes down there and they're really close together. If one of that's them right. Feeling good. I'm going to get who aren't going to feel good either. If I have a scrape on my knee and I go to bend it to do a lunge, it hurts. I don't care That's if right. it's not the muscle. So, you know, it's, you know not, it's funny not to interrupt. Cause I do want to hear Lauren's take on this. It, it's similar to how we all are so in tune now to like our ears and nose and throat being connected. Right. So like you go to a doctor, that's an ENT because they're all connected. Cause they're all right here. So like, why don't we talk about or think about or intuitively know that everything down there is obviously connected as well, yet no one is educating us and talking to us about how that can all be connected and how- Why is it? Is it stigma, Lauren? Um, so, I mean, I think that there's a huge stigma surrounding women's pelvic health. Um, and it, it is the question, like, is it stigma surrounding why nobody, like, yeah. why people Talks were like, it. that's impossible? Yeah. Why is it? It's not only it's not talked about in general, and I don't think it's asked about. Right. So, and so, so in, in the literal question is, how does someone know to go to you? They've had a problem and they right. finally comes up in their primary care conversation. Yeah. So I think I think twofold. Number one, patients are getting savvier and with the Internet, obviously, and Google, you know, like they can a, a savvy kind of patient will end up like knowing they need to see a urologist gynecologist kind of combo person. Um, but, but then also, you know, like in my field, I'm very dependent in, because it's not like a patient knows I have to see my prime, I have to find a primary care doctor. So I'm like super specialized. And so I'm dependent on referring doctors, which largely are primary care doctors and OB guys. You'll have to tell Dr. Jamie about Dr. Lauren. Yeah, I'm going to. And so, um, 
patients, you know, if it gets to the point where they're, you know, and typically that's why I see people who have had, for example, have been leaking urine for so long because they finally mention it to their OB-GYN or their PCP when it's at the point that it's just so unbearable. They're going through six pads a day. They can't go out of their house and go to the grocery store because if they don't know where the bathroom is, they'll, you know, I mean, it's just, it's really debil. Well, it's quality of life stuff. It's very debilitating. Um, and so once they, once it gets severe enough that it's really affecting their daily life, they'll, they'll mention it. And now of course, you know, OB-GYNs and p- primary care doctors know about urogynecologists, female urologists, and we'll refer the patients on. Now, for, for everybody else out there, like Marissa and me, right? So I'm not the person that's going through six pads, right? I'm not going to the grocery store and I'm, I'm not, it's not debilitating my life, but it's, it's part of my day. It is. It's my right. truth. Um, what are your, what is your advice to somebody like me? Who's not necessarily like suffering, but I don't even the bare minimum of what the word suffer means where I literally, we joke, yeah. we joke my husband and I, but like, if I'm about to sneeze, I have to cross my legs because I will dribble a little bit. Right. It's so, like, and, and here's, having, especially since having my second, I've always so, had it, but it was more so in my forties now that I'm in my forties and also that I had my second kid. So, I mean, we can, you can be easily treated and it is, it's very straightforward with low risks. And it's so funny because I have patients that will be seeing me because a lot, so there's, there's two different kinds of leakage. When someone says I leak urine, I'm wet. Like I need to wear a pad. There's two different kinds. It can, you can have leakage because the bladder muscle is a pump and it can be overactive and it can be pumping when it's not supposed to. And someone that's having leakage from their bladder being overactive is going to come to me and say, I can't make it to the bathroom on time. I'm, I'm, I feel the urge and then I'm on my way to go. And I just start to leak before I get there. Or I'm walking in the door from picking my kids up at school and I put the key in the lock and I start to, to go. That's overactive bladder. That's treated differently from the leakage that you talk about, which is called stress incontinence, which is leaking with coughing, sneezing, jumping, heavy lifting. That's because your urethra tube that you urinate, laughing, laughing, your urethra tube that you urinate out of is like a valve. And so the valve can be leaky. So you can have an overactive pump or a leaky valve. And the reason that that's so important to kind of determine is because they're treated differently. So for your kind of leakage, it's procedural, but there's really great procedures that are very low risk, no downtime and can stop you from leaking. And the funniest thing is, is that I have patients and this is how just like society has done such a disservice to women, this whole grin and bear it type of thing, because I have patients that come to me with both kinds of leakages. And the, when I, when I ask them about leaking with coughing, sneezing, they're like, oh yeah, but that's totally normal. I've had that my whole life and you know, no big deal, but it's like, but you don't have to, you don't have to cross your legs every time you sneeze. Like we can fix that, but they don't even, it's not even in their realm of like, oh, that should be fixed. Same. Until I met Lauren, I swear I just was like, "Listen, that's what happens after you have kids. Sometimes you just right, or it's a and like we joke, we joke with our friends that have had C sections, and we're like, you're so lucky, like you don't have to leak.' Um, And until I met Lauren, I didn't even realize that I didn't have to leak. And what's funny about what you're saying is that in my first life in career, I worked in pharma PR. I may have shared that with you, and my client was overactive bladder. So I like weirdly know like a little bit about this, which is like. Like what? Like anybody that knows me now is like, wait, you did what now? 
Um, but I weirdly like had to research a lot about um, overactive bladder. So I knew that's not what I had. Cause I was like, I can make it to the bathroom. Like I have no issue with leaking in inopportune times like that. It only is happening, as you said, in stress, in a stressful, when I'm, when I'm stressing onto my bladder or whatever, whether it's laughing, jumping, sneezing, coughing, um, and not always, but often pretty and often enough where I'm obviously talking about it pretty freely. And I think it's fascinating to know that that's something that a can be fixed, that it's minor and that most people don't know that, that it should be fixed. They don't even think to tell my, PCP. by the way, when she's well, asking me also, how I'm doing, Lauren, what about, necessarily what, bringing about that up. Like, what about just natural aging? Right. So like, for instance, peeing um, in the middle of the night, Maris. Yeah. So, so, so for instance, things that another topic of conversation that I think most people don't talk about. And it's funny now that we're all predominantly working from home, it's less of a topic. So like when I used to work in an office in the life we used to live, you obviously knew everyone's cycle. Right. So it's like, I was totally like my people that worked for me thought I was a camel. Like I would not go to, like, I don't go to, the, like, I am like, don't go to the bathroom. But, and she drinks and, a ton of water. And I drink a ton. And then, and then it's like, once, you know, you open the floodgates, what did we say when we were growing up? It's break like, the seal. Um, right. The seal. Once I break the seal. So as I've gotten older though, um, I'm not making it through the night the way I used to. Right. So I try actually to go to the bathroom more during the day, even if I don't feel it right. so that I can allow myself to sleep through the night. Cause I really can't stand to be woken up. Right. And I'm curious, like in your field, is mm-hmm. that just conversation? Is it just a part of getting older? It's like, we're all drinking 75 ounces of water a day to keep our skin useful and do right. that comes with a cost. You right. know, I mean, is that, is that also stuff that you talk about? Um, or is it more just, like, are there day-to-day tips on how to make this piece of women's health better? Like, for instance, I don't think my brain, truth, I don't think my brain gets the messaging from my bladder correctly. That's what I think. So, I've thought about that for a long time. By the way, like, not to interrupt you, but. Day late. Like, I get to- it, like, whoopsie-daisy, if I don't go right now, it's a problem. By right. the way, speaking to that, which I do want to hear your answer, it's similar almost to, I just had this conversation yesterday with a couple of girls who Lauren knows as well, um, that I was with Ashley and Beth, and they were talking about potty training their kids and how it's like so related to their brains. And I just feel so fortunate right. both my kids are out of is there a men- Is there training? Like, is there something that you could be doing? Is there like, are there tips that you gift that aren't necessarily medical procedures? Like what goes on if I, if I make an appointment with you, am I coming just to solve a problem or am I coming for wellness also? So you're, I mean, if you're coming to see me, then you're coming most, mostly with like a complaint, but the complaint could be, I'm waking up three times a night to urinate. This is bothersome to me. How can I improve it? Um, And so just from what you were saying about what you were like historically working in the office where 
you're like a camel. So there's something called dysfunctional voiding, which is common um, in in children, but can carry with people into adulthood where they have holding tendencies and they just, they, they won't go when they feel the urge initially, because I mean, listen, like I was in a surgical residency, I would go nine hours without urinating. Like it's not healthy, right? But people do it. People will hold, have holding tendencies, and then you lose the signal and your bladder is a muscle. And so if over time, you are are holding and not going um, kind of regularly, like let's say every three hours or so every three to four hours, then the bladder can get um, a little bit stretched out, if you will, almost like a little floppy. And it can just, it can just change the way the brain is, like you said, like the brain is communicating with the bladder. It's called dysfunctional voiding. Um, I think I have that. So that, you know that's the, a live action Marissa, you have a floppy bladder. Along I have a flop, but you know what? I it's not shocking to me. It's not shocking to me that this is a function of control, right? So I have one hundred percent have control issues. I always have. It's something I do in order to uh, compensate or protect myself from anxiety. And if I am working and I do not want to be interrupted, I do not want to lose my focus. I do not want to stand up. I know it. And I always was like that. I go much more often now that I'm home, but I'm also much more aware of a lot of things now that I'm home. Marissa, do you know anyone in your life who would get really busy doing something and didn't want to stand up and then would pee in her pants because she was too busy fixating on whatever she was doing, like both of your daughters? Yeah. Um, and it's so interesting because it does sound like maybe that is, um, that was something that Summer, her daughter, her, her younger daughter used to do all the time. Like, until she was like fairly old, old. she'd be playing and was so focused on whatever it was, she was, it was like, doing. Like it, it was like, like it got to like, and she was definitely like five. Like it was like yeah. eek summer. Like you got to go to the bathroom. Yeah. Um, sorry, summer podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> so summer, it's not embarrassing. Um, but that's also, you know, not for nothing. The embarrassment, listen, culturally, we don't talk about certain things out loud without pot being, there's such the words potty humor exists because it's potty humor. So there has to be something to be said about the grin and Barrett attitude and our social ability to talk openly without embarrassment about everyone pooping and everyone peeing. Like it is just, it's potty humor, which I'm guessing is not funny to you, Dr. Lauren. If I did a potty <laughs> humor joke, you'd be like, wah, wah, it's not funny to you. So, you know, I do think that that probably parlays into comfort and the ability to communicate our needs and or normalizing our needs because you wouldn't even know to say them out loud. Right. Yeah, it's true. So what are your what are your tips, I guess, if, if you were going to take away like a soundbite, if you will, to this conversation? Right. So you're like us, you know, you may have the quote minor issues that we're talking about, even though minor is the, a bad word because we shouldn't be suffering any any of it. Um, right. Or you have something that you're more uncomfortable about and you haven't necessarily handled or dealt with it. What are your tips as to, you know, when you say you're an advocate for, for wellness in this yeah. area, obviously, you know, I love that. And I think, you know, Merce and I are the same where we are advocates for things that we believe in. And I think that, you know, if it's one thing to just practice what you're preaching, but also to help spread the word and turn people's lights on about what are, this, right? what are the empowering tidbits? Yeah. So, I mean, I think just like 
it, it, patients aren't going to necessarily know to let me seek out a urogynecologist, right? But people go to the doctor. I mean, they, it, it, they just have to don't just don't suffer in silence. Like if you have a fever and a cough, you're going to go and in, in you're concerned, you're going to seek a healthcare professional to help you with that. Like it should just, I guess just needs to be kind of like normalized and, and retrained in like women's brains and society. And I think we're starting to do better jobs like, um, you know, the Washington Post, Gwyneth Paltrow's Goop, the New York Times, they're publishing on the pelvic floor, which we could have a whole nother podcast session just talking about the pelvic floor, which actually goes back largely to what you were describing with your fissure situation. Like that's that's a, a, a pelvic floor issue. Um yeah. My and guess is it has to do with grounding your energy. <laughs> yes, there's there's a lot there's a lot there to, <laughs> um, but so you know it's 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 becoming like more understood um, and mainstream. But I think like the the tidbit like my best advice is to just like normalize it and go to the doctor and say I'm having X Y and Z. I'm going to the bathroom too frequently. I'm leaking. Like I don't think I have to leak. I don't think I should have to live like this. And they will be like, oh yeah, let me refer you to this person who can help you. But they're just not going to ask, you know, probably a primary care doctor, like you said, is not routinely asking that because listen, they're so, they're dealing with everything else, like your blood pressure and your diabetes and your, you know, so. Ask. Yeah. Speak ask. up. Man. You know, it's Speak funny up. because yeah, like everything else, Marissa and I are, you know, um, one of our major passions as the dream catchers, but personally and professionally is mental wellness. And I think so much of that, you know, what you're talking about is so interesting of like suffering in silence and advocating for yourself and speaking up. And I think Marissa, like she said earlier, you know, it is unique that Marissa is so in tune with everything. Like if her right shoulder blade underneath on the, like, like, you know, every other Tuesday hurt. Like she knows it right. Where other people are just like always in pain or like just, and don't even like necessarily address what's bothering them. And then there's the people that kind of ride the middle, which I would say I am as, as like, I'm not like uber sensitive to pain, but I'm also not ignoring if I'm having an issue. I also have spent many years at specialists in different ways, whether it's for my eyes and my stomach. And so I think there's just people that are more open to care and to working through whatever's bothering them. And then there's, I think a lot of people out there that are just kind of like, this is, this is the way it is, or this is the way it has to be. But I think what Lauren's saying is so, so dead on. Like when, if I put it in, in comparison to like my eyes, for example, like I can't see without my contacts. Like I, have to go to the eye doctor all the time, regularly, can't miss the appointment because I'm obviously out of contacts, like whatever. If we could look at the rest of our wellness, like the rest of our overarching wellness as a picture like that, we're like, why suffer? Like if you're not gonna, you would never miss your eye doctor appointment because you literally can't see. So why are we not addressing something like this? Because we think it's normal when really it doesn't have to be. It really doesn't have to be. And I think right. that that's, I think that's an important takeaway. Um, we say that Marissa and I talk about this all the time, usually gastro related. I think that's just everybody's topic um, and how it's associated with stress. I'm guessing some of this, uh, I'm sure is associated with stress as well. Often, again, it's all related down there. So I'm sure a lot of it is related and also sexual pleasure, like you were saying, and sexual function. 
And, um, you know, I'm fascinated by this. Marissa, are you? I mean, I, I see it in your Well, face. yeah. I mean, listen, I think one of the things um, that happened as a silver lining from COVID is, so I've had COVID symptoms since 1988. <laughs> like there's not a thing on that list I didn't have almost every day. And all of a sudden I'm looking other than my taste and smell, right? So I'd look at it. And I'd be like, I shouldn't, if these are the questions, now granted, now the qualifications are like, you know, anything, fair, fine, side, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, you know, March 2020 stuff. Um, I said, I'm like, I should COVID, COVID phase one. Yes, I'm talking OG for COVID. I'm not, I didn't, I said to myself, I shouldn't have to feel like this. Like, I shouldn't say yes to these things. Like, something's up. Right. So sure enough, because of COVID, I met with my allergist. I met with my gastro. I made tweaks to some of my medicines. I removed certain things from my diet that I did not realize were causing additional reflux or complications. Right. And I am much better. Right. I don't have COVID every day. Sometimes right. I have COVID, but not every day anymore. <laughs> and it's it's nice, you know? So it frees up room to look at my pee is my point. I've got I've got room. In my agenda sure. <laughs> now, where I can pay attention to the 3:30 a.m. P. or you know the lack thereof, or the color. You say when the colors. I think most of us are aware of the color. If it's too dark, whoops, you didn't drink enough yesterday. That's right. It's very simple. Um, but you know, also knowing full well, or the awareness of when I do, when I'm feeling. I woke up this morning. I was extremely tired. I didn't sleep well last night, and. I drank two bottles of water before I had my coffee and I was better. Mm. So it's just the simplest. Sometimes it's very simple things that if you just remember to listen to your body That's and right. your body has a lot of ways of showing you when it's not okay. Um, and that is, I think one of the, the, the things that I've picked up in the last couple of years. And I welcome having you in the fold to bring light to stuff that is just not talked about. Um, you know, and I think that probably the, the dignity, I think you said some really amazing things like the dignity piece definitely probably plays into a lot of mental, a mental chat, like a mental unwellness or feeling embarrassed. Um, there's probably a lot of pieces that you solve when you fix somebody. So I, I give you a lot of credit for that. Really? Well, and a couple of things just like, so it's interesting what you, because there, I, I have patients like you that are very in tuned with their bodies and not everyone is as, as you guys kind of like alluded to. And, you know, I have learned that when basically to, to, to trust and believe my patients, like if somebody tell, even if as the doctor, cause I don't always have the answer. I don't always know what's causing this pain. I can't like tell you immediately, but I've learned like with, with, when patients make it clear that they are very in tune with their body and something is not right, then that typically means something is not right. Recurrent urinary tract infections are like a big thing in my world, UTIs. And you can have symptoms of a UTI and not actually have a UTI. And that's a whole nother discussion too. But the point is, is that when somebody who gets urinary tract infections comes to me and says, I have a urinary tract infection. These are my symptoms. I'm experiencing them. I know I have an infection. They are 
I send off, I do the right tests like that need to be done, but they're right. Like they know their body. Like I believe my patients when they tell me I have an infection. And so it's just, you know, kind of just like listening to patients. There's nothing, there's nothing worse than that. It's the and, worst and like feeling. you, you experienced like in healthcare, what happens when doctors don't know what's going on and when like an astute patient that is in tune with their body because it's very logical what you said with regards to your fissure and you're like but wait everything is so close down there like could this not be related to x y and z whatever right and they're like absolutely not but they just didn't know and so like the kind of so one thing that like, I think it takes skill to do as a doctor when you don't know the answer to something, because not all doctors know the answer to everything is to not, is, is to kind of be okay with like saying, you know, I don't know, but that that's, that's a possibility. We just don't know because it helps you continue to like pursue what you think is, is not right. And now I could tell you just based on the symptoms you're describing, it was likely related to your pelvic floor muscles because the pelvic floor, everything in your pelvis goes through your pelvic floor muscles, the vagina, the bladder, the urethra tube, the rectum. And if your pelvic floor muscles are off, they could be knotted, they could be tight, they can be tense, they can be banded. People, women more so than men, but both women and men can wear their stress in their pelvises the same way you have a knotted, a knotted shoulder muscle and you get a tension headache or you clench your jaw from TMJ and your temple hurts. The same thing can happen in your pelvis. And typically there's this constellation of symptoms that we see. You can get anal fissures. You can have difficulty pooping. You have pain with sex. You have urinary tract symptoms that you might think, oh, I have an infection, but it's not an infection. I mean, we see this all the time. And so the point, the whole point of this is just that if you don't know what's going on, listen to, I, I like to listen to my patients because oftentimes with enough listening and kind of working together, we can figure it out. Marissa, sounds like you need a Dr. Lauren in your twenties and thirties, my friend. Um, just Better late than never. Just saying. Okay. So to wrap, to wrap this conversation, I, I love all of this. And, you know, obviously as somebody that has gone through what you've gone through, I know we sugar-coated, flashed over it for a moment. You've had a crazy bunch of years, um, you know, have two babies basically, went through cancer, moved to a new state. Um, I find you so inspirational in that in and of itself, let alone all the amazing work you're doing for women and for moms and et cetera. So I would love to hear from you um, a little bit about what you, what inspires you, right? So I know you're into yoga and running and things like that, that keep you inspired or engaged. You know, is there anything that you look to for inspiration to keep you going? Obviously you've gone through, um, more than most at this age and this stage of life, but you know, what keeps you kind of motivated and engaged and inspired, um, whether that's, you know, something you're reading, something you're doing, a mantra, um, right. And with that question, by the way, we typically ask, what's your superpower? Um, okay. Which I, I do think, you know, a lot of us have one. I kind of feel like yours is just, like you just said, listening to your patients, yeah. being a little bit more intuitive of a doctor and a surgeon than some others. Um, but really, you know, I would love to hear that from you. What do you consider your superpower? And then with that, you know, how do you stay inspired to continue to live that? Sure. Right? So I think, I mean, there, I think I would answer 
I would answer that separately because I think my superpower, if I had to think about it, would be um, because I am so goal. It's a combination of like my goal oriented nature with also being efficient. So when I identify something that I want or something that I want to achieve, I'm very good at figuring out the quickest and most efficient way to get there. Whether it's knowing who to reach out to or what to do, I'm just I'm. It's like I'm good at that. Um, and I think it, it's interesting that's become, I've, I've, I've realized that over the course of my relationship with my husband, because like, that's, I help him with that. Like we, you know, we help each other. Um, and so that's, that's something that I would consider like a superpower for me, um, in terms of what inspires me and motivates me. Yes, I do. I'm very physically active. Running and yoga have been huge, hugely important as I navigated the very stressful surgical training. And while I I, I didn't take much time for myself, I did the bare minimum to kind of keep me sane, which was through running and yoga. Um, my children, I think, like, just they do motivate and inspire me. And when I, when I just kind of have a moment where I'm watching them and like their goodness, it just kind of reminds me of what's important in life. And I think that breast cancer, I mean, you, not that I would ever have wanted to go through breast cancer. Like if I had life to do over again and plan, (laughs) um, but you find silver linings where, where you can, and I am genuinely a better physician for having gone through breast cancer and being on the patient side of things. And I also just like, it it does serve as a constant inspiration to me because it, it has put things into perspective for me. And I am inspired just by like the things that matter in life. And I try to shed what doesn't. And I think I can keep that perspective because of my breast cancer experience. And that's actually a fear that I have that as time goes on, knock on wood, because I want to, time to go by and have it be more and more of a distant past. But I, I, I worry that I will lose that like sense of like, oh, I don't need to be frustrated sitting in rush hour traffic. It's not cancer. Like this doesn't matter that I'm like in traffic, like those kind of little things, it changed the way that I live my life. And I, and I want to keep that aspect of it and I want to keep it fresh. You know, I think, I think that what you're saying is, is so true. And I think my, one of my dad's favorite, um, quotes or sayings is, you know, it never goes away, but it does get easier. And usually Mm -hmm. it's about grief, right? So your cancer experience is never going to go away. Just going to continue to get, as my dad says, like further and further into your rearview mirror, but it's always going to be there. Right. And I think having gone through that or having gone through, you know, to put that into perspective for anyone, having gone through any kind of strife in your life or grief in your life or issue, um, it just makes you a better human and it makes you a better physician, like you said, and that's it, right. It, it kind of stays with you that way. And it, it shapes who you are. And I, I think that that probably is why you're so good at what you do and why you listen so well, um, to your patients because you've been a patient. And, um, I think that makes you a, a wonderful doctor. I think that's a, a beautiful thing to have had gone through in a, in a very strange backwards way. And as you know, we're huge proponents of breast cancer awareness and yes. as our mom, as a survivor, yeah. I wish that she lived her life a little bit more like you, mommy, if you're listening, which I know you will, um, and really remember that you survive for a reason, like you're right. on the other side of that for a reason. Um, 
That's so inspirational. Marissa, do you have anything to add that you wanted to, you're like really listening now. I can see it. I'm just thinking about how um, I was processing her superpower. And I actually, um, I'd like to add something. So you have an incredible um, quality of authenticity and honesty that just feels so refreshing. And I'm not saying that when people come on our show that they're not being their utmost self. They are. There's just a way that you convey that feels like um, you're speaking in a very clear way mm. um, and you're speaking you. from, from the inside and I can feel it and see it. And oh, I just want to commend you for that because um, I just really, 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 I'm Jamie's like, you're really listening. Like I'm really listening to you and there is nothing about you that feels the least bit, like you don't mean one, every single ounce of what you're saying. And okay. I think that that speaks volumes to you as a, a, the last part it speaks volumes about is you as a doctor. To me, it's you as a person, you as a mother, you as a friend, you as a neighbor, sure. you as a guest. And I, I am fortunate to be in your presence because as I've gotten older, I'm really sick and tired of things not feeling authentic and real. Yeah. It's really, really nice to see and also, I will speak, considering you have gone through really real things, your brevity and your level-headedness and your evenness is something that I feel a lot of people right now need to hook into because I think a lot of people all across the country and locally here have lost their minds a little bit. Right. Um, and it is nice to see lucidity packaged in this really adorable purposeful person. Thank um, you. So that's what that's I was so thinking. Nice. Thank you. Thank you for that compliment. That's yes. really nice. It's just, I really see you and I'm really, really, it's a really pleasant sight. So, yeah. And I think I, I have to echo that. And I think, you know, I tend to be more of our operational mind. Marissa is a little bit more of our, um, intuitive mind as far as our yin yang goes. And I think I just had this gut feeling that Lauren would be a wonderful first guest for 2022. And I just want to um, pat myself on the back for kind of knowing <laughs> that. Uh, because I just, I just felt it in my gut. I was like, this is going to be the best conversation. We haven't done one in a little bit. We took a little hiatus for a lot of different reasons and just thrilled that you were here today and be able to share your story and maybe improve somebody's livelihood or maybe get a new patient or two. I know that's not why we're here, but of course right. it would be awesome. Now there's, now there's nothing I haven't discussed on air. Yeah. <laughs> when you talk about your fissures, you've like really, my fissures have been you know. we're all the way in now. Dream catcher. For every dreamer nation globally. Okay. So before we ask our last final question uh, to wrap, I just want to ask one more thing. Is there anything that we didn't get a chance to say that you wanted to make sure that your audience or our audience today heard from you, whether it was advice or, um, you know, I know where, we to find you. where can they where find, find you, you, Dr. Laura? Yes. yes. They can find me in, in Shrewsbury. My office is in Shrewsbury. Lauren Tennant, if you just Google search Lauren Tennyson, MD, urogynecology, you will find me. Um, and yeah, I'm happy to help. I mean, I think, I think it, I hope that I conveyed what I wanted to, which is just, you know, we, 
you don't, women don't have to suffer in silence and don't have to live with the symptoms that they're having. We're doing better as a society, but there's still a ton of room to continue to advocate and improve. Um, and so, so speak up and don't be embarrassed because there are people here that want to help you. Um, and that, that's really like the main thing I wanted to convey. Yeah. And I think we're very like-minded in that way in that, you know, we are, we do what we do and we do our podcast because we want to shine light on topics, on issues, on career paths, on women, on people who are like us, who are just trying to help somebody, whether it's one person or hundreds of people. Um, that's why we're here because what we would do is we'd sit in our office and talk to each other about Lauren and how cool what she's doing is. And then our, some of the girls that work for us were like, this is a podcast. Like you should go on air and talk to these folks and talk to them about how they've gotten to where they are. And it's been, Marissa and I say this all the time, a true highlight of our adult lives and our careers. So, so happy to have had you here today to talk about those things. And, you know, I think that we we're cut from the same cloth, which is why, yeah. you know, it makes so much sense that you're here. So, oh, and here, James, so, James, here's yeah. another, yeah. here's another thing for people listening that um, if, if anyone is like, of the age where they're considering going to into pre-med or interested in being a doctor, they can reach out to me. Um, my email is lauren.tennyson at hmhn.org and they can reach out. And I'm more than happy to talk to any prospective medical student or anything like that. I love that. That's extremely Again, generous. Our call. Yep. A very generous with your time and your energy. And um, I will ask you this because I feel like it's, a good way of tricking you into our famous brand question. <laughs> but instead of making you go all the way across the board, I don't want you to have to, you know, tout some sort of medical brands or feel anything like that. Since you're in Monmouth County, yes. what has been your most favorite store place thing that's enriched your life? Let's do that. Okay. So Oh my God, this is going to be a weird, unexpected answer. And I, I can't say it's enriched my life. Well, okay. I, the yoga studio that I found, I absolutely love. So I can maybe, well, it, it, I go to even flow yoga in, in, in sure. Fairhaven. And I, I just, I really like that studio. I just, my husband bought me a, a 10 pass class just because I was itching to try some yoga and I've enjoyed it. Um, but I really, and you guys will appreciate this. I really love the Fairhaven hardware store. Does anybody else, is that a thing yeah, Fairhaven? I love the Fairhaven, we love the Fairhaven okay. hardware store. Yeah. Wait, oh my God. I love them in there. They're so helpful. They I don't feel overwhelmed. I never feel embarrassed talking about uro urology for hardware literally and figuratively. I have no clue when I go in there. I'm like, guys, and they're, they take you seriously. They never oh, make you feel inadequate. I know. I know they are just, they are so I nice. I feel really proud. You shouted them out, you know, yeah, I mean, no, we'll they're tag, great. We will tag them when we post this episode. That's what we usually do with the brand. They're on my list. Like, I need, I need salt. I need salt, you know, like the, the pet friendly I, salt. And I want to get I just want to bring this back for a moment to, to nanny who, at my mom, Nancy, who, you know, obviously, who, by the way, just called while we were still live. So obviously she didn't realize we were done. She's probably like, how was it? How was Lauren? No. Um, but she, Marissa and I have some really fond memories that to, to bring this back to the moms, because I think I just want to say this out loud and give my mom a shout out, but Mammoth Mammoth moms being our sponsors. So thank you to them. You know, I think that 
Marissa and I, for better or worse, we were with my mom all the time. She was a single mom at the time when we were little. My dad had um, moved to Fort Lee and then into New York City. So we were in the suburbs with my mom and we would go on her errands because we like had to. Like, where did you put your children? And now we know that as mothers, right? You take your kids on your errands. But it's not the way it is now where you can just like throw your phone at them or an Mm -hmm. iPad and just hope that they'll like pay attention. Um, So Marissa and I like have been to many a hardware store with our mom and have this like affinity for like small business and small hardware stores. So we moved here and we were like, we love the Ferryman hardware store. So the fact that you like weirdly said that is not that weird. And obviously the universe was like laughing because that is so something that you didn't realize we were going to appreciate as much as we do because we love it there. And so does my mom, which is hilarious. Um, So that was awesome. Um, So anyway, so back to saving the world, Lauren, thank you for being with us. Thank you for being here. Thank Thank you guys. Thank you to shared universe for doing our sound. Thank you to mom with moms. Um, And thanks for listening. And thanks for being here. We're so happy that you came. It was, it was a pleasure.